fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hey. Are we good? Hey. Oh. Hey. Oh. Hey. Uh, this is our first time in the studio for quite some time, it feels like. Like a week? Well, right, but we've missed, we've missed two of the last three weeks due to early Seahawks shenanigans. And the one time we were in, it was 8 to 10, and things were still kind of broken from the studio switch. And I didn't even sit in this chair. Because no, yeah, this computer I was, didn't work. Yeah, I was over there last week. You know, I didn't really need the computer. I can go ahead and use my phone for for all the information. Right, and whatnot, it's so. just easier for me to have. It's most people here at this station because we've had enough computer issues. If you remember the uh, the virus, the big virus that took out our station for like two weeks, um, that knocked off our computers for so long that a lot of the hosts just brought their own laptops and actually got used to it. I have a problem with my laptop doesn't work unless it's plugged in. So the idea of moving it around is uh, it would mean that I'd have to restart it every single time I plugged it in and unplugged it. That doesn't sound very good to me. So I still like to use our handy dandy computer. So we've had that issue. We had the studio switch happening where we didn't have computers in the weird booth. Although you never had to do a show in the weird booth because we had moved in here by the time Sunday rolled through. But uh, in the weird booth that was the temporary room had no computers in it. And then we moved in here and these computers weren't set up yet. And now this computer freezes a lot, but I digress. It has been, it feels like it's been months since we've done this show in this format like this. Yeah. It's, it's and, and with everything all shiny and new, it's almost, you know, a little uncomfortable. It's almost, you know, when you get new furniture or something like that, you're just, you treat it with kid gloves. You don't, nobody can drink anything on it. You don't right. want to eat anything. That's you get kinda, down very slowly. Like, don't, yeah, that's, don't ruin the springs yeah, yet. That's kind of how I feel about all this, you know, shiny new equipment that's in here. I even got the old 1080 The Fan sign back in there. It pried it away from Dirt and Sprague's desk. Yeah, that was behind Dirt and Sprague's desk. Now it's in there. And uh, I usually turn the lights off during primetime because it's very bright and it causes a reflection. But uh, it's uh, Jesse put it on today. I guess because it was probably darker when we got in this morning. Yeah, I think it looks tight. I think it looks you know pretty tight. You know, you turn that light off in there, and you got you know welcome you got to some, Joe's right there. You got some mood lighting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's the Leon Phelps lighting in there. That's I'm gonna go with it. So the Seahawks, only as far as I know, unless they get flexed, have one more 10 a.m. game. So we should be good to go for nine to eleven shows for the rest of the football season, except for once. And uh, we'll keep you apprised of that. That's coming up in December, I think. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today. And you guys, you and Jesse, were having a very passionate discussion when I walked in about Hugh Jackson. If it's me and Jesse, the conversation is always going to be passionate. It doesn't matter what it's going to be about. There's going well, to be. Well, it was about Hugh Jackson, and I was very curious. And I said, let's save it for the air because your hot take was not exactly my uh, my hot take. Well, I don't so. think it's. I don't think exactly really anyone's you know hot take. It's just. just you know, just me. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Hugh Jackson's firing and uh, the discord there. They also fired Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, because I guess they were fighting about who was going to call plays. Shocker, Todd Haley has discord with somebody. That's been his entire career as a coordinator and coach. Um, so we'll talk about that. I do want to talk about the Seahawks. It's actually been a little bit since we talked about Seattle, and they're playing a lot better than most of us thought they would. 
but I'm still not fully buying it yet. Um, and I think today will go a long way to help me buy it or say they are who we thought they were and pull a Dennis Green on you because they play the Chargers today. Chargers are good. They're coming off a bye. They're getting Melvin Gordon back from his one-week injury. And uh, Phillip Rivers is having a career season. And the Seahawks have only beaten bad teams. Every good team they've faced, they've lost. So this will be a great test. So we'll talk about that coming up. Um, we've got our fantasy scramble at 930. So if you have fantasy football start sick questions, feel free to text them in now up until 930 and then throughout that segment to the Better You Today text line at 55305. We'll get to as many as we can for the last half hour of this first hour. I also want to uh, complain a little bit about fantasy, and that could happen anytime, but maybe during that segment. I've got, uh, I've got something that's grinding my gears as well. And uh, Jesse is in a league with me that he is having exactly what's happening to me in my main league happen to him. Leading the league in points, 3-5 and five record. Mm. It's brutal. Mm. In our intercom league. Yeah. You're like 4-5. and. Yeah, no, I've 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 won. I I no, I think I've lost three games, and they combined for the all three of those losses combined for I think less than a point and a half. Yeah, I lost by point two points last week. It's 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 been pretty brutal because I've been like the the week um, Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdowns. I lost. I lost that week. Yeah. How I, the heck did I lose that week? Yeah, I had uh, DeAndre Hopkins give me seventeen uh, this past week, and uh, I still. I was leading 54 to 0 um by 9 o'clock, you know, by the first 9 o'clock game. I lost by 4 points. Yeah. Yeah, no, the so. the this is what this is why this is why like leagues that you're in from year to year to year to year and you go and you look at things and you go there's something wrong there. Like we had this um I want to say 4 years ago in our league where we, the second highest scoring team in our league didn't make the playoffs. We have six teams make the playoffs in our league, and he didn't make the playoffs. Second highest scoring team. I looked at that, and I went, something's wrong. And you go, and you look at who's the sixth team in this league. Oh, they didn't score very many points. They had a really easy schedule, and that's where we went wild card. Let's make the wild card a true wild card, and it's not going to be based on schedule. It's going to be based on how many points you score. So it, at the same time, not only um, does that, that – that keeps everybody – in, in it all season long, active all season long. It gives everybody an opportunity to squeeze their way in. And if you scored the most points, you let's face it, you should be in there. You're a playoff team. I've scored the most points by a ton, and I'm currently three and five. Right? It's it's makes no sense. Well, I know, but it, it it does make a little bit of sense just because sometimes it's bad luck. Like I lost horrible luck on the Odell Beckham Jr. touchdown in the last second of the Giants Monday Night Football game when Eli Manning missed two stu- uh, two sneaks in a row. I lost because of that. I lost when Devontae Adams caught that touchdown in the fourth quarter on Monday Night Football the week before by, like, four points. And I lost by point two this week because Traquan Smith only got three catches and the Vikings defense wound up with two points. Well, currently, I'm, I'm four and four, um, which isn't great. But it is enough for second place right now. This has just been a, a crap year for a lot of people. So hopefully we've been able to give you guys some pretty good advice, though, for your leagues. But I think for, for most of our teams right now, we're, well, I, we're all kind of in struggle mode right now. I don't now. know. In, in the – our – our league here for the radio station, or well, of the show. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I, I I'm what six and two yep. in my 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 league that I run. I'm five and three. I'm on a, a five game win streak. So I'm it's, seven and one in the intercom league. I think I'm five and three in our league. I think, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, three and five in my main league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough time for fantasy football now because the 
the bye weeks are kind of at their peak right now. My entire bench this week is on bye. So like if I if Melvin Gordon for some reason can't go, I'm screwed because I have nobody to put in there. <laughs> because I'm not dropping all the players that I have on bye because they're my starters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he's going to play. But so yeah, that's fantasy football for you. We'll get to a lot more of it at 9:30. Just I guess we we ranted about it there. But I do want to start like always with college football coming up next. And uh we got a lot to talk about. The Ducks got the win against UCLA, but still had a ton of offensive question marks for me. If it wasn't for good special teams play, that game would have been a lot different. Uh, USC and Oregon State was a good game that Oregon State really had a chance to win. And I'm surprised that I am saying that. And I'm not surprised that I'm saying this. The Pac-12 refs screwed it up. Oregon State would have tied the game if they didn't get the call wrong and right at the same time. So we'll get to that. And then Alabama LSU was uh, (laughs) quite a laugher. It was really, 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 really bad. Oh, the 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 memes were were awesome. They had already started kind of circulating. So, and I really like that the Bama fans were chanting "We want Bama" at the end of that game because nobody wants Alabama. So that's all coming up. Again, the Better You Today text line is at five five three zero five. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch twenty seven. Rashad's at TaylorMade five zero three. Jesse's at Jesse Osmond A S Z M A N. And uh, Facebook.com slash 1080 fans. So that's all coming up on the show today. Hugh Jackson, Seahawks, fantasy, college football, hater to love it at 1030. Uh, that's all coming up. And we will start next with the Ducks, the Beavs, and Bama. This is Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.15 here on your Sunday morning. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. We were just talking about that. Mike and Rashad here for the first time in a long time, it feels like. We'll Good to here. see you, bud. And I'll only get to talk to you briefly on Friday nights. I know. because like, it's, it's literally like, hey, what's up? Uh, you're going to be next. You're going to be after Joe. And I was like, oh. Okay. I know because I have, the conversation. To, I have to call like four people at the same time. So it's like, you're on. Okay. You're on hold. Oh, you're on. You're okay. You're on hold. And I can't ever have a conversation unless it's post game. Then sometimes I can. Yeah. Uh, but you text me during the game sometimes too. Um, but yeah, so good to see you as well, man. Absolutely. And Jesse talk- cut his hair. Can we talk about that for a second? I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a real kind of, uh, how do I describe it? Cause he had, he's the- got a real James Franco from pineapple <laughs> express. <laughs> which is what which is what Jesse's costume was for Halloween, he told me. Oh, so that's yes. why it's like that. Okay, I yeah. got you. Yeah, it made sense. The, it all uh, came together. Jesse, uh, for a long time, has had very long hair, but tends to leave it ponytailed. So I can't see the full flowing locks. But now, yeah, yeah, that's a good, I mean, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. He looks I, like James I guarantee Jesse, for, for you guys that, you know, haven't really seen a lot of us in Metal Up, man, Jesse, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know this was him if he walked in and everything. Like you wouldn't know. Jesse's a big dude too. Like I mean, he's what you're what six two, six two. You know, maybe a, a good one eighty five, one ninety somewhere around there. Sizing me up, I see. You know, he said, "Hey man, we've been working together for quite a while now." So he's a he's not a small guy. You know, what all, I mean? so, all three of us are quite large actually. Yes, we are. You know, what I'm saying that's what she said. And and then Jesse has a long ponytail, or in in most cases, so. You wouldn't know that that voice comes from, you know, that body and everything. The same said for for me, too. People are always like, wait, that's Mike? 
that's what you look like? And it's like, what else did you expect? I, I was, I'll be honest, you, you were, I thought you were freakishly large the first time that you and I met at Hunt for the Host. I, I have been known to be freakishly yeah. large. Like, Suki has called me uncomfortably large I was, before. I was not expecting you to be that big when you and I first met. Yeah, I am, I'm a big dude. That's true. People are always like, wow, you're really big. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I'm, which, I, which, I'm very broad-shouldered. I, I get that a lot, too. Which long is, legs. It's kind of a kind of a sideways diss. Like, I'm, I'm, I know it is, it's yeah. It's like, well, yeah, screw you. I, I yeah, I'm big. Thank you. It doesn't You're make small. me feel It doesn't make me feel that good, although I, I know the intentions aren't bad. Big people have feelings, too, guys. Come on, man. I know the intent. It's not like, oh, my God, you're fat. It's like, wow, you're just like. You're large. You're everywhere. Your shoulders are out there. Your legs are thick. Your hips are out there. It's like, yeah. And it's dude. even weirder when, when, when fellas say that stuff to you. It's like, thanks. Like, okay, awesome. I well, take it in stride. Appreciate it. Just take it in stride. You're fine. All right, let's get into the uh, the college football slate from yesterday. Where do you want, where do you want to start? We got uh, Ducks, Beavs, and Alabama. That's what we got time for. Uh, well, we can start with the with the with the Beavs. Why not? Or the, yeah, Beavs are good. Okay, Beavs are good. You're committed. Yes. Oregon State almost, although the score wouldn't indicate that at the end, almost came back to to make it a game against USC. They had gotten it down to 28-21 USC lead. And they forced a fumble, returned the fumble for a touchdown, and it would have tied the game. But the refs, Pac-12 refs, mm. called it down before the fumble. They reviewed it, realized they were wrong, but because of that, they didn't give them the touchdown. They just gave them the ball at that spot, and Oregon State could not score on that drive. So instead of it being 28-28 with all the momentum shifted to Oregon State, Falling back to USC, they scored on a 62-yard touchdown run on the very next drive, or I think it was the next drive. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the game was, was frankly over. But I think a lot of people were curious how Oregon State, by the way, the final score was 38-21 USC. I think a lot of people were curious how Oregon State was going to bounce back from their win against Colorado because B fans were very excited. They went, wow, here's the first look of Jonathan Smith being in a, a good head coach, and this is a positive step forward. And they were curious if they could continue the momentum into a game against USC, who, although obviously way more talented than Oregon State, has been having a very bad year for USC. They're now 5-4 and four after that win. And uh, Clay Helton likely going to get fired at the end of the year, or at least if I were Lynn Swan, I would fire Clay Helton at the end of the year. And I, personally, I thought the Beavs were probably going to get blown up in this game. It's like a, it would be a wake-up call, like, oh, it was a cute win against Colorado, but you're not there yet. I was really impressed that they were able to stay in that game. Of course, Jamar Jefferson ran the ball, like didn't get a ton of yards, but he was running it a lot early in the game and actually getting some good gains on some of their scoring drives. And they, they were able to stick with USC. And that really surprised me. No, I, I at a points you thought they were going to win the game, especially like, as you got into the second quarter, uh, we can't forget about the missed field goal. You know, that would have been something that would have given them uh, obviously three points would have made it 17 to 21. So uh, a much smaller deficit at that point. So, you know, you can't forget about those small, small parts of the game that can, you know, really mean victory for you in a, in a lot of ways. But uh, you liked what you were able to see as far as the talent from Oregon State kind of matching up with some of the talent from USC. Like you, this, is, this was a game at the beginning of the year we were all saying USC is probably going to, you know, mop the floor with the Beavers. That that was that was the narrative I think for most of the pundits, and so for them to come in there and play really really well through three quarters, uh, I, I thought it was really impressive. And you know, man, 
hats off to Jonathan Smith for at least coaching his team up. You know, there was a point that we would have seen this Beavers team collapse and just say, you know, and this is over the past, you know, three years or so that this Beavs team would have just given up. One thing we talked about a lot on the show last year and really the year prior was heart. And that was something that we just felt like we weren't seeing a lot from these players at, at a point. And that's not something that we really question about this Oregon State team anymore. Well, and the thing, too, is it, it wasn't just the USC game that we looked at and said this is going to be a loss. It was the rest of the schedule. So they beat Colorado, right? They win. And then you see on the schedule USC at Stanford at Washington, Oregon. You're like, well, that was your last win of the year. Still probably is going to be the case, especially against those last three opponents. Although in the Civil War, you never know. Uh, could, things could get a little bit crazy. but And it is in Corvallis this year. But it, I just – I was – I was pleasantly surprised and very strongly rooting for them when they, when they got close in that game. And uh, it's it's just good to see strides being made, even, even if it's not for that win, this early because Oregon State was in such a bad place. Their recruiting numbers were terrible. The players they were bringing in were not very good. They had lost some of their good players through transfer. Um, and then you bring Jonathan Smith in, and he has to do a kind of late-cycle recruiting class, and he does okay. He's doing pretty well this year, at least in the state of Oregon. But he's he's got to build it up, and you got to as much as you want him to succeed. There's still that question of like, well, it's tough to win here. Can he do it? And this to me is showing that he is offensively minded enough. He's an offensive genius enough, if you will, mm-hmm. that he he can get this Beavs team to heights that they need to get to, aka back to being competitive for a bowl game. And then hopefully a little bit better than that. Too. You know, you have a, a a team here that last year this time when I think they had what three wins on the season, nobody was optimistic about what was going to happen there. No, no one liked the outlook of of Beavers football. Now all of a sudden here they are with two wins. There's a good chance they don't win any more games in the, in the rest of this, for the rest of the season, and yet and still we're looking at this Beavers team going, okay, well maybe next year. You know, you're 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 looking at it through that lens now. They had a, a few in-state recruits in Corvallis this weekend for that game to see that really uh, competitive game that that had to have been good for recruiting. Obviously a win would have been much better for you as far as the recruiting part goes, but to see you stick in that game with, you know, that team for, for the entire, for the duration of it, I think is only going to help you as far as recruiting goes. So I I really like what they're doing at Oregon state right now. Are they winning a lot of games? No, but they're not quitting games either. And I think, I mean, and I know there's, probably not to be said much for college football but that's really important for guys just to know that they don't have to they're not going to lay their you know lay their hats down and say all right y'all got this Oregon on the other hand beats UCLA 42 to 21 at Autzen and it was not that sexy of a game if you're an Oregon fan now the win is a win right you got bowl eligible officially so that's good it's positive but if it wasn't for special teams early in this game I'm again criticizing Marcus Arroyo's play calling. I thought we had kind of gotten past that, right? We were worried about the fact that he wasn't the best play caller. And then the Stanford game happened, and you're like, wow, okay, maybe he's a good play caller because they had been playing well offensively up until that point. That first half especially was very good. And then um, it's been all downhill from there for his offensive play calling. And it wasn't looking good, again, in the in the first half against UCLA. I remember it was first and goal, and it was up the middle run, fade, then they brought Burmeister in, and Burmeister was in there just to run as the quarterback, which was as obvious as to anybody. So, of course, UCLA knew, knew it was happening. And it, it just drives like that, and you're like, what are you doing? What are you calling? Justin Herbert didn't play super well yesterday. 
The running game was a little better because they focused on it really hard, but average rushing yards per rush for a guy like Verdell who had 25 carries was 3.6. So there's still something going on on offense. I don't want to put it all in play calling, but I am really starting to get concerned about Arroyo as an offensive coordinator. He's a great recruiter, but can he call plays consistently enough to help them get a level beyond? Well, we're seeing how important offensive coordinators are. You know, you mentioned, we'll talk about this later, uh, Todd Haley, you know, and, and maybe the job that he'd been doing in Cleveland. I think offensive coordinators are um, equally as important as the head coaches are just because the head coaches are there to motivate the team, make sure everybody is running a certain system. And as a coordinator, it's your job to make sure that you know the right packages to send your team. And at times, it's just kind of confusing. It's like, why would you – why would you run it there instead of passing it? Or why would you pass it there instead of run? Or why would that? Why would you run it that way when you know they don't have the the they have the athletes on the outside to stop them? It's like there there are certain times where you're not all the way sure what you're getting from this Ducks team, and there's no real identity for them right now. And I think that's kind of why they struggle. We're I, I said this on Twitter uh, last week when they or yeah last week when I think they lost the game to uh, who was who they play um, or the Ducks last week I can't remember. Last week, oh, Arizona, yeah. And I was kind of saying, man, who are these ducks? You know, what are they? I don't think we know anymore. Like you, every it's like a week to week type team, and uh, you got to put a lot of that on Royal, but you got to put a lot of that on Cristobal because he's kind of allowing that by not really establishing an identity yet. Um, so moving forward, they've got the bull the bull eligibility now, which is good. And looking at their schedule moving forward, they got Utah, who just lost Arizona State, so their ranking is going to drop from fifteen to. I mean, maybe out of the rankings, but maybe lower. Uh, ASU and then Oregon State. So that looks like it could be two or three more wins. But then again, you got shillelagh by Arizona and didn't look like you belonged in that game. And that was super weird. And we, 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 did, we were not on the air to talk about that, so we didn't get a chance to really break it down. But that was just some of the most stagnant offense we've seen from an Oregon team in a long time. So, yeah, you're right. It's just weird. It's a weird – it's been weird offensively for them since the beginning of the year. Not sure what changed. Obviously, the offensive line injuries are not helping. Uh, Penny Sewell going down was huge. He was absolutely amazing as a freshman. Um, so that that's part of it. And there's been some other little injuries across the offensive line. But I it just, I God, I want someone to call better plays. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're just you're you're expecting it to be as exciting and innovative as it used to be. And that's not going to be the case when Chip is gone and, and hell, even Helfrich is gone. It's not going to be the case anymore because it's different coaches, but you would hope that it would at least have something resembling excitement and innovation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, you, you can see that this isn't a, a team that's as fast as the previous Ducks team. Um, they're not as explosive. You know, they're not as exciting. I'll just be honest. You know, there was a time to a 42 point game or 42 points was halftime for the Ducks. You know, I, I know, and I think. You know, we might be a little um, spoiled in thinking about the Ducks' pass and everything. But, yeah, 42 points was just the halftime score. You know the game was going to end with about 72 points. And you're not really seeing that from this team. So, yeah, I can imagine how people would, you know, are looking at it going, man, what's the problem? But as long as you're winning games, I could care less. I can give a damn if the score is um, 13-3. to If the Ducks were to go, you know, 11 and one or whatever the case is, or the Beavers as well. If the score is nine to four (laughs) with two safeties, every game, I would be okay with that. So as long as you win games and right now, um, they won a game. They haven't won them consistently though. And then quickly, because we got to get into the fantasy scramble, Alabama 
LSU, one versus three. Everyone's mouths were watering over this game, forgetting that sometimes they play nine zero games and it's considered good. This time, it was not good. Alabama, 29, LSU, zero. And Tua had a bit of a Heisman moment, maybe, with his touchdown rush. That was well, like a 52-yard rush, a 44-yard rush, sorry. And um, LSU could not move the ball on offense. 196 total yards to the 576 total yards mm. of Alabama. Can we end the season now? No one's going to beat Bama, dude. No one is. It's, it's not even. It's not even really fair. Like I mean, they're like the Golden State of college football, you know. But although we've seen Alabama get to the championship game and stub their toe, you know, it's it's seldom that the Warriors are going to lose. They're not going to play LeBron, you know, in in the finals again this year. So I don't know if there's any. I don't know if there's any stopping them. They 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 just continue. Man, Damian Harris, 107 yards. Najee Harris. Uh, 83 yards. You know, Tua put up 50 yards on the ground on top of uh, almost 300 yards passing. Like, what do you do about this team? Like, how do you how do you stop them? Great defensive line, man. Great corners and safeties. Like, they are the most complete football team in 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 college. And, and I, the only know, thing they don't have is a place kicker because he missed two extra points yesterday. Who needs a place kicker when you go for two every time? <laughs> really, if Alabama wanted to, they could go for two every single time and convert every single time. And they have a very special quarterback so, in Tua. So just quickly, just wanted to throw that out there because I was I was really interested in that game and excited about that game, and it was uh, – Well, you know Michigan right now is, man, Harbaugh somewhere having a few drinks. He and Shannon Sharp, man, on them blacks, <laughs> on the milds and, and some yak right now just because he is super happy that now – Michigan has will move into the top four. All right, coming up next, it is time for Fantasy Scramble. If you have start sick questions this week, lots of eyes this week. Feel free to text them in now to the Better You Today text line at 55305. You can also send them to us on Twitter at Mike Lynch27, at TaylorMade503, at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. We will get to as many as we can next. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Welcome into the Fantasy Scramble. Thanks for not singing along with me, guys. Cool. Maybe just turn mine on. I didn't know we were singing. What, were you listening? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I often do that. Well, nope. Yeah. It's like, do I lie here? Yeah, my lady. Of course I was listening. Yeah. I just wasn't into the singing. Yeah. All right. So Fantasy Scramble time. We do this every single week. 930. If you have fantasy start sick questions, feel free to text them into the Better You Today text under 55305. You can also tweet them to us at Mike Lynch27, at TaylorMade503, at Jesse Osmond, A S Z M A N, and at 1080 the Fan. We'll get to as many as we can up until kicks happen at 10 o'clock. I'll start with the one that I got on Twitter here. Uh, Gronk or McDonald at tight end, standard league. Thanks. I for one would go with Vance McDonald because 
I don't think Gronk is going to play tonight. And the problem is on a Sunday night game, when you're not sure if someone's going to play, you risk if you don't use the other guy having a zero point day completely. Reading about it, it does not sound like Gronk is going to play. The Patriots are worried about his availability. They've said said as much, and then he's going to go through a pregame workout and decide there. The same goes for Sony Michelle too, by the way, who, if it helps, I am benching in one of my leagues because I'm not risking a Sunday night guy missing out because he is a game-time decision. So I would say McDonald because I don't trust Gronk's going to play. Uh, I would pay close attention to the uh, the injury report right now. Uh, you've got another 22 minutes um, because if he is a go, then I'm going Gronkowski. If not, then yeah, go ahead and go. You're not going to know until you're not yeah until tonight. until later. So if you're because you, the one thing you do know if if Gronk is is playing, he's going to be a factor. That's the one thing you do know. He said as much in the past few weeks. Like I missed the end zone, and I think the end zone misses me. So I would expect him to play. Gronk is one of those players that, for whatever reason, and and a lot of games plays really well, really well, even if he is, you know, kind of banged up. So if he's available, I say you go Gronk. But uh, being safe, I would go the other way. I guess. Uh, it's Gronk or who? Uh, Vance, Vance, McDonald. Vance McDonald. I'm just going to roll McDonald out there. The first thing I read this morning was it sounded less likely that Gronk was going to roll out yeah. there than more than likely. So. I mean, is it still possible? Yes. Um, but at the same time, if he doesn't roll out, well, what are you going to do? Like, what what are you going to do? You don't really have any other options. Um, there's nothing really on Monday night that's appetizing to throw in that tight end spot. Vance McDonald has proven he can be a guy. And if this is PPR format, honestly, Vance McDonald might be a better play this week anyway. Ben Roethlisberger against Baltimore or Drew Brees against the Rams? here's a tough this is tough for me and it shouldn't be tough but here's why it's tough Roethlisberger against the Ravens is not a great matchup Ravens defense is one of the best in the NFL this year but Drew Brees is passing the ball less than he ever has this year they're running the ball so much in New Orleans now that Ingram is back with him and Kamara that last week he had 120 passing yards a couple weeks before that he had 217 passing yards that's not to say he also hasn't had his big games but he's been startlingly less consistent they're playing a rams team who's undefeated it's going to be a good game i might lean roethlisberger in this one just because i know how much the rams are going to run the or the saints are going to run the ball roethlisberger doesn't play well against baltimore baltimore usually you know puts hands on roethlisberger for whatever reason through most of his career that's kind of been uh the issue um again like you said drew Brees isn't throwing the ball a lot but when they do decide to drop back and throw, because I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball as easily on this Rams front four. So um, I think I will go Drew Brees. I, I just think that this is going to be the game of the week. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. This could be really similar to that Tampa Bay, New Orleans game that we saw um, where it was just back and forth. Um, Saints only loss of the tit year. for tat. And I, I mean – Honestly, this could be the first loss for the Rams this season. I believe they were on the road in New Orleans um, in that dome. Um, I, I, I'm i going to go Drew Brees. I, there, it's something about Ben Roethlisberger against a good Baltimore team in division. They know how to play him. These are typically lower, uglier scoring games um, it, it, between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I, I think I'm going to roll Drew Brees out there. It's a good problem to have. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick 
who's back. Fitzmagic is back, baby. Or Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers off a bye week going up against the Seattle Seahawks defense is projected to get 17 points according to ESPN. But if you look, he has gotten 20 plus points almost every week this year at the quarterback position. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had godly weeks for three straight weeks and then sucked losing his job and now came back in last week in the second half and played great, goes up against Carolina's defense. I don't know about Fitzpatrick. I, I, I trusted him. And then he sucked again because, of course, he did because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. So well, that's played, your problem. You trusted him. Right, exactly. He played great in the second half last week. But do I trust him to play better than Phillip Rivers? No. I'm going to take Phillip Rivers in this. Rivers has been so consistent this year, and they're coming off a bye. Yeah, give me Phillip Rivers. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I like Fitzpatrick's matchup uh, at Carolina. Um. At, I mean, as 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 bad as Seattle has been, you know, and they've been back and forth, you know, Safeco's where Safeco, <laughs> well, CenturyLink is where quarterbacks go to die a lot of the time. You know, it's it's so loud in there. Like that's the one thing that hasn't changed about that place. Um, I think I will probably go. I think I'm gonna go Fitzy. This is a. Um, uh, kind of what's my pre-qualifier, right? Like that I do sometimes. What are you expecting? Do you need a Hail Mary type play? Do you need a guy that can just, that has probably more explosive upside or do you need somebody who's a little bit more level-headed and like like Mike said, that's a little bit more trustworthy? And so if you need somebody, you think you're in a solid shape, you just want a quarterback that doesn't have the possibility to sink you, all right, that that that's when you're going to go Phillip Rivers. But if you think I need a guy who's going to go for 450 yards and five touchdowns, that's more likely to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if you need somebody to blow up because the rest of your roster is on by NATO, I'm going Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, two more, then we're going to break and get to the rest. Another quarterback question, Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson? So Russell Wilson going against the Chargers, we talked about that. He's actually been great this year fantasy-wise, minus one game. He's been really, really good. Uh, Matt Ryan also, despite the Falcons struggling this year, record-wise, has been great fantasy-wise as well. Matt Ryan is at Washington. Russell Wilson home against the Chargers. I'm going to take Wilson in this one, although I think the Chargers are going to win the game. I think their defense is not that great, and Russell Wilson will be able to get some good points for you fantasy-wise. Matt Ryan's going up against a sneaky good Washington defense that has played very well this year, and uh, actually the Redskins have played surprisingly well this year, so... Just because of the matchup, I'm going to take Wilson. I think they're both incredibly close, in my opinion, but I'm going to go Russell Wilson. I think I'm going to go Russell Wilson as well. Uh, this, is to me, is a, a, a volume play. Russell Wilson, now, granted, uh, there's two ways you can look at this. The, Russell Wilson has notoriously been slow out the gate, and he's been hot to end the season, and he's kind of ent entering that hot street territory for Russell Wilson, and he has played quite well. The problem with him is opportunity. And right now, this is a run-first team in Seattle. Um, and uh, on the on the other side, maybe a little bit more balanced, a little bit more balanced towards the passing attack in Atlanta. Um, I do think you have a underrated defense in Washington, but I I think I I would rather tap into uh, Matt Ryan over Russell Wilson this week, just based on opportunity. Full point PPR at flex: Sammy Watkins, Jordan Howard, Cortland Sutton. 
or Dion Lewis? That's a tough one. Um, honestly, all across the board, that's a tough one. That's a pretty tough choice you've got there. Dion Lewis has not been used in a way that makes a lot of sense with the Titans. And if you're thinking of him as a pass catcher, he one game caught nine balls, then caught two and three and then six and then one and then three and then five. Not in that order, but just that's he's been used very inconsistently in the passing game. And frankly, I don't trust the Titans offense right now. So I'm going to pass on Dion Lewis, although I, I kind of feel like he's got the most solid floor of all those guys that you mentioned. I don't like Jordan Howard in the PPR game just because Jordan Howard doesn't catch passes, but he is uh, the touchdown guy, the red zone guy. And then that leaves you with Sammy Watkins and Cortland Sutton. Watkins has had one good game all year. It was last week. And Sutton is now going to step into the Demarius Thomas role. Call me crazy. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. Mm. But that's a, I don't like your choices there, but I'm going to go Cortland Sutton. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Howard because I have to put him in my lineup as well this week. So we can suffer together. I, I, I have Jordan Howard um, playing in one of my lineups on my bench in another lineup. It's just kind of how my roster set up. Um, but I did pick up Cortland Sutton in a league where I need wide receiver help this week. And uh, I thought he was an easy pickup and plug and play wide receiver. This is a guy who, um, you know, it, has had limited opportunity and still has found ways to score some points the last three weeks or so. Um, he has a couple touchdowns this season. I think he's going to get at least nine targets um, today. Uh, going to be, I think, a great upside. I'm along the lines of what they're saying in, in Denver. I think he's going to go somewhere around the century mark and get another touchdown this week. All right, let's get to the rest, or as many as we can, coming up next. If you want to keep texting them in, feel free, but we're a little bit backlogged, so we're going to try to go a little quicker in the next segment. This is the Fantasy Scramble on Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, let's get to the rest of these fantasy scramble questions as quickly as we can. Tarek Cohen or Nick Chubb in PPR? Once you said the magic words PPR, my ears went up for Tarek Cohen. He has been in monster catching passes because as much as Trubisky has played well this year, he looks for like two guys, Cohen and uh, the tight end. That's literally it. Allen Robinson, although he's been hurt, has not been that great catching passes. None of their receivers have because he doesn't throw the ball downfield that accurately at this point. Cohen is such a good safety valve. He uh, His last four games, seven catches, 121 yards, seven catches, 90 yards, eight catches, 69 yards, and one for 70 and a touchdown. So alone catching the ball, he's doing well, and he's getting about six to seven carries a game. I like Cohen in this one, especially in PPR. Uh, Cohen's been killing this year. I would go with Cohen. This one truly is a tough one for me. It's just such a juicy, 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 juicy matchup for Nick Chubb. Like, I would have such a hard time taking him out of my lineup. Atlanta's just so bad, so bad against the running game. With that said, PPR format, um, I, you, you have guys that don't create yards that are great in PPR just because they catch a lot of balls. Tree Cohen catches balls, and he makes yardage off of that. Um, I will probably lean toward Tariq Cohen, but that that would be a really hard move for me to make. Juju Smith-Schuster or John Brown? This one's easy. Go Juju on this one. I know I know Brown's had a great year, but been more inconsistent than than Juju has been. Um, 
I like Juju. Easy for me, Juju. Yeah. Taylor Gabriel in the flex or Isaiah Crowell in the flex. So Taylor Gabriel's on the Bears. He has caught about four or five balls a game from uh from Mitchell Trubisky so far. Isaiah Crowell, who is on the Jets this year, has been really good at times and really bad at times. You didn't say PPR or not. But they get Miami. True. The, you did not say PPR or not. If it's PPR, I'd lean Gabriel. If it's standard, I'd lean Crowell. Um, well, let's roll out Gabriel. I'm going to go Crowell as well, and I, I honestly um, think it's pretty easy over Gabriel. Um, I think you have – right now, Crowell's basically the engine to that offense, and – it it sounds like that's a messy field down there. That's going to be kind of problem problematic, obviously, for the running game. Um, but I still, it's once again, this is an, an opportunity thing. You have a great matchup, and you have a lot of opportunity in touches. So I'm going to go Crow. This is a full point PPR Calvin Ridley or uh, Marvin Jones. I'm going to go Marvin Jones. Tate is gone. That opens up some inside targets for both Galladay and Jones. I think Jones will see the benefit of it. He also had two touchdown catches last week. I'm going to go Jones. Jones. Uh, th- this to me is they both have a similar matchup. They're both kind of difficult. But the one thing that Jones has over Ridley is he is the number one targeted receiver in the end zone this season. I, I'm i going to roll with Marvin Jones this this week. Uh, he's got to get at least a couple more looks, too, with take on. Half point PPR, OJ Howard or David Njoku at tight end. So Njoku, who has been basically leading the team in targets, got zero catches last week, which was pretty surprising. OJ Howard actually played great under both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. I'm going to go with OJ Howard here just because I think he's going to get like five or six catches under Fitzpatrick. He might even catch a touchdown. He's got a lot of touchdowns this year. I'm going to go Howard. Um. Yeah, uh, shoot. You know the ball's going in Joku, so I think I'm going to go in Joku. Uh, I, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a different offense this week. It sounds like they're going to go more air raid. They're going to tailor it more around what um, Baker Mayfield did well in college. Um, it, they're going to spread it out a little bit more, which I assume means Njoku's going to be doing a little bit more time working in the slot as opposed to blocking. Uh, with that said, after coming off of a zero target week, I think they're going to try to get him involved, but I do know OJ will be involved in some way, shape, or form, and I don't think it's a horrible matchup. I, um, I think that's a good way to attack this secondary. So uh, I'll roll out OJ Howard and see what happens with Njoku. Uh, Devin Funches, DJ Moore, or Cortland Sutton, standard league pick two. I'm going Funches and Sutton. Yes, You're I going Funches? I picked Funches, yes. Oh, my gosh, man. I don't like it, but I did it. Uh, Wait, where are these? I can't even see these dudes. Um, Funches, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton. Oh, okay, there it is. Um, Funches and Sutton. I, I, I make it a clean sweep. DJ hasn't done enough to me to, to warrant all the hype that he's getting right now. Drew Brees or Jared Goff? We talked about Brees already at length. Goff is uh, the opposite quarterback in that game going up against the New Orleans secondary. I'm going to go Goff in this one, but uh, to Jesse's point, he thinks it's going to be high scoring. I just think the Rams are going to win, so I'm going to go Goff. Um, I don't know, and I, 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 I can't see what the uh, Rams' schedule has been. I know it's been uh, incredibly tough, but I don't know if they played a defense 
um, as good as well. The Saints defense hasn't been that good. Those, I mean, we but we know it can be, and I think that's the thing. Like we we've seen the Saints defense be relatively shut down. So Rams uh, played Oakland, Cardinals, Chargers, no. Vikings, Seahawks, Broncos, Niners, Packers. No, no, no. I mean, there's you know good defenses. There's good in defenses there. there. The Broncos, the Char- um, Drew Brees, at home. Uh, I think these are really similar. They they both have the ability to blow up. They both have the ability to have kind of a lame day because of the running backs that they have in the backfield. With that said, I'm still going to roll out Goff over Brees. Pick three, half-point PPR. Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Emmanuel Sanders, Juju Smith-Schuster. Ooh, that's, that's tough. A good problem to have. Can you put all of them in your lineup, please? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I like all of them. I really do. Uh, Cup is back and healthy, which is very exciting for me because I love him and he's on my team. Uh, Cooks, good play. Emmanuel Sanders now the number one in Denver, although I guess you could say Sutton will play more of the number one role. Sanders still inside. And then Juju I like as well. God, if I had to pick three, I guess if I had to bench one, that's a better way to look at it. Um, I might bench Cooper Cup just because if he's not fully healthy yet, then he might be a little bit limited in his snaps. So if I had to bench one of those four, that's who I would pick. But uh, it's very close. I'm with you. Cooper Cup of, uh, I mean, as far as talent, is probably, I mean, super talented receiver. But and with the likes of Emmanuel Sanders, Cooks, hey, and Juju, I'm saying. Don't you, don't you talk bad about. I'm not talking bad Cooper about Cooper. Cup. I'm saying he's great. But if it's between those four, he's fourth. And so that's why I have to say those three. This might come crazy, but uh, sound a little crazy, but I adamant. Lee disagree. I I want Cup in my lineup. Honestly, I want Cooks in my lineup, mostly because, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored this week. The secondary has not been good for New Orleans. I want Emmanuel Sanders in my lineup. He is now the number one. There is no question about that in Denver now. There is no DT to question that. He's going to get minimum 11 targets this week. Juju, tough matchup against Baltimore. I've already said I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a little bit ugly. Baltimore and Pittsburgh know each other. I'm going to throw in the two Rams receivers and the Denver Bronco receiver. Two more, so let's go quick. We only got two minutes. Calvin Ridley, Deshaun Jackson in the wide receiver two spot. I like DJX now, man. He he is so it's boom or bust, and he always has been. But he has been a lot of boom this year, and with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, is, he has been very good this year. Ridley has kind of slowly tapered a slight bit the last few weeks, and uh, I I just like DJX in this game this week, so I'm going to go DJX. Uh. Man, I think I'd have to go to Sean Jackson, too. Whenever uh, Fitzpatrick is playing with him, they have a certain rapport that uh, I don't think a lot of quarterbacks and receivers have right now outside of maybe Mahomes and Kareem Hunt. Or not Kareem Hunt, but uh, uh, Tariq Hill. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. And then at Flex, PPR League, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, Chris Carson. They're saying Carson is game-time decision, but he played last week and was amazing last week. Remember, the Chargers defense is not the best. I'm going to go Chris Carson on this one. He has been very good for Seattle. I like Chris Carson as well. Man, this one's hard just because I am so, like, I honestly, I believe it should be Chris Carson. I am very scared of that hip injury. This is some, one of those things he's been kind of dealing with, and he was ga- kind of a question mark going into last week. He is a true game-time decision today. Um, with that said, I, he is an early, or he's an afternoon game. Sutton's an early game. That's who I would think about rolling out there. If you're willing to roll the dice, I think Chris Carson's the better play. If you want to be safe, I go Sutton. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the questions. Hopefully we help you win your fantasy week or at least have a solid week this week and you and you get some luck on your side. 
Lord knows I need that luck. <laughs> Speaking of luck, let's go, Andrew. All right, coming up next, Seahawks or Hugh Jackson? Uh, West Coast by Seahawks? Yes. Okay. Right. Hugh Jackson got fired. Rashad's passionate about it. No, he's not. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, he, he sounds passionate about it. <laughs> he sounds passionate. Don't. Don't take. I'm I'm doing a sales job. Okay, here. well, this I'm, is called a tease. He's right. Passionate, passionate and excited. There it is about the Hugh Jackson firing. That's next. West Coast bias at ten fifteen is Seahawks. Ten thirty is hated or love it. We love you all. Good night. Ten eighty to the fan.